You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, this morning, whether you're first time here, which I know we have some guests because of the baby dedication, or you've been here a long time, we have been in the middle of a 40-day prayer challenge, challenging each other to spend some time with the Lord every single day. We've been praying and interceding for God to heal us, to provide jobs. We've been praying for marriages and prodigal sons and daughters to come home. We've been praying for deliverance, and mostly we've been praying for salvations, believing that God would help us to reach one more with the gospel story. That's why we exist. And we're actually not doing this alone. So for those of you who don't know, there's another church just south of town called Coastal Community. And Coastal Community and us, we started this together with a prayer and worship night, and we'll end that on March 3rd, a Friday night. I would encourage you to be a part of that. But we've been praying. We've been fasting and we've been trying to create a habit as a church, cultivating a habit. We said, all right, this discipline needs to be developed in us to pray and to pray, uh, pray through. And we've also said, hey, th- there are some skills here that need to be practiced. And so we're putting into action some of the things that we see in Scripture around prayer. And it's been a blessing. We have seen growth in people's lives already. It's been really great. And overarching, we've also prayed, Lord, awaken us as a church uh, in this community. The church has been asleep for far too long, expecting very little, or could I even say expecting nothing. And in regards to that, we want to be set apart. We want to be different. We're saying, God, help us to dream big. Help us to supercharge our prayers. That's been our goal over the last couple weeks. We talked about dreaming big, asking big, praying hard. We also talked about supercharging our prayers last week in particular, about fasting and prayer, those combined. That's an emptying of ourselves, but we don't just stop there. We don't just empty ourselves. We refill ourselves with the Holy Spirit and His power. In fact, we said last week that the answer to every single problem, whatever you're facing, the answer is always more of the Holy Spirit. That is a good word from last week, and uh, I just want to encourage you. Every problem, the answer is always the Holy Spirit. And we've been really uh, anchored in Luke chapter 11, where it talks about asking. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10 says this, So I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks... The door will be open. And then again, in regards to the Holy Spirit, at the end, just a few verses later than this, it says in Luke 13, or 11, 13, it says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, everybody say Holy Spirit, to those who ask him. And so we've been asking the Lord. We ended last week in the altars asking God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. It was powerful. But it begs the question, at about this point in this prayer journey, this prayer challenge, how does prayer really work? Especially, how are prayers answered? Let's talk about answered prayer for a moment. How many have ever thought, my prayers, 
I throw them out there, and it's a mystery. Like, I don't know how prayer works. Come on. Who's honest with me? They're like, you don't have it figured out. Prayer. Come on. All right. That's like uh, not very many of you. So the rest of you got to figure it out? Who's got to figure it out? Just come on up and share, please, right? Seriously, right? It, prayer is a mystery. Sometimes when we pray, the answer is yes, right? And we're grateful for that, and we should praise God for that answer. But other times we pray, and the answer is no. And I would just say that we should trust God in the no. In fact, I was thinking this week, we should be grateful that God does not answer every prayer. Now, I mentioned a movie uh, first service, and my wife was like, don't mention that, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Um, how many of you have ever seen Bruce Almighty? Yeah. Uh, when he, when they, go, in the movie, like every prayer is answered, like, <laughs> it, I mean, it's chaos, right? Like every answer is a yes. I mean, that's just not reality, right? But sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no. And when we get the request right, we pray according to God's will, sometimes it's a yes, no, and sometimes it's a not yet. That it's the wrong time. Sometimes we know why that there's a delay. Sometimes we don't know why. But we're encouraged to keep on knocking, keep on asking. And that's really where we want to focus our attention. The title of the message today is Persistence in Prayer. Persistence in Prayer. And we're going to look at an Old Testament example and a New Testament example. Two different stories. And let's start with with the New Testament. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says this. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them how they should pray and never give up. Those last three words are the key to the message today, being persistent, excuse me, in prayer. Never give up. Say it with me. Never give up. Let's pray. Lord, I pray as we launch into this message that your word would come alive. I pray that it would make a difference today and tomorrow. And Lord, I pray that it would just uh, help us to put this into action. We pray this for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Persistence in prayer. Let's start with the story of the persistent widow found. Let's look at it, the rest of the uh, chapter there. Luke 18, verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them how they should pray and never give up. This is the story. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Just the type of judge you want on the bench, right? A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. Again, (laughs) crazy. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. And let's go back to the first verse, if we can. This is how you should pray and never give up. This is the story. It's a fascinating story, the persistent widow. It's a story of praying uh, praying long, praying hard. In the 40-day prayer challenge that we've been reading, 
And Mark Batterson says it's the type of prayer, the persistent widow, she was an example of knocking until her knuckles got raw, or crying out in her voice until she lost her voice, or pleading until the, her tears ran dry. The persistent widow is an example. It's a story. It's a parable. Probably not a true story, but you might Just say to yourself, what was the problem? What was the injustice? And the truth is, we don't know. Scripture doesn't speak to it. It would be pure speculation. But we do know this for sure, that she would not take no for an answer. Maybe her son was falsely imprisoned for a crime he did not commit. Maybe someone molested her daughter and still was on the street again. We don't know. And you could put in the blank. You could make up anything. That's not the point. The point is, whatever it was, whatever the injustice was, the judge knew that she would not give up. And when you have that kind of determination, it comes from a deep place. I would call it desperation. Desperation. God honored the woman's desperation. This widow and God honored... Ours, he will honor our desperation as well. And so let me just ask, how is your level of desperation today? Desperation for us as a body or for you in particular. The desperation for a miracle. Are you willing to pray through the night or pray until the day you die? Or how long will you knock? Will you knock until the door is knocked down or until you bloodied your knuckles? Because desperation leads to desperate measures. That's the example today. This widow, her methods were anything but normal or conventional. She could have and should have waited for her day in court. But instead, she comes to the judge relentlessly, maybe even to his personal residence. We don't know. Maybe she should have had a restraining order placed on her. We don't know, but We do know that God, through the story, through the parable, that the judge who represents God honored the widow. And again, what about our situation? Is it time to throw protocol out the window? Is it time to drop to our knees and pray for a miracle, pray for the impossible? Are you at the point where you need to muster up every ounce of faith and pray? I think that's where a lot of us are. Fast forward a couple chapters in the Bible to James chapter 5, verse 16, says this about prayer. It says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That word earnest prayer means to pray hard. Earnest prayer is what we see in the New Testament with the widow. But the very next verses give us a clue about an Old Testament example as well. Let's continue. It says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The next verse says, Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. First of all, let me just say, Elijah was an Old Testament prophet. 
Uh, that means he spoke for God. He was connected with God. In fact, if you read about Elijah and his life, it's a big wow. I mean, it's, it's a pretty impressive story. He evidently had a super connection with God. In fact, so much so that he never died. Read it in Scripture. He got caught up to be with, with the Lord, uh, never died, and then he gave a double portion to Elijah, who took on the, the next prophet. It's a pretty powerful story. But in a, this story that's found in James, that he prayed for rain, no rain, and then prayed for rain. That's found in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. And you should write that down. You should uh, earmark that, read it later. It's worth the read. It'll take you maybe 10 minutes to do so. But in this story, from chapter 17 and 18, he predicted for three and a half years there would be no rain, which, by the way, is a bold prediction. You better know that you heard from God. If you're telling the authorities, the the kingdom that, hey, there's not going to be rain, and you're, I'm speaking on behalf of God. How many say that's a bold move? I mean, that's a bold statement. And then at the end of the three and a half years, right, uh, what happens? We see Elijah in chapters 17 and 18. He climbs to the top of Mount Carmel. He takes a, a servant with him, and he falls on his face, and he prays for rain. This is a story of persistence in prayer. And maybe you know the story, but for those that don't, literally, he gets on his face before the Lord, and he cries out to God, says, God, would you please send rain? And then he tells his servant, he says, servant, go look from the mountain, look over the sea. Does it look like there's any rain coming? And the servant comes back and says, no. And then he gets on his face again. He says, oh, God, would you please send rain? And then he says to the servant, go check and see if there's any sign of rain. And the servant comes back. And if you know the story, Elijah does this one time, then two times, three times, four times, five times, six times. This is all in the end of chapter 18. He told his servant to go look towards the sea, and there was no sign of rain. And let's just be honest, that's when most of us are going to give up. We're going to throw in the towel. We don't see any movement in our prayer. We don't see any difference in our natural eyes. But not Elijah. He held his holy ground, so to speak. And on the seventh time, there's a subtle shift in atmospheric pressure. A small cloud, it says, the size of a man's hand, rises from the sea. And that's all that Elijah needed. He told his servant, go tell king, the king that it's going to rain. And then all of a sudden, within moments, the sky turns black. The first raindrops in three and a half years fall. It's like, wow, what an incredible story. I mean, that, that's a wild story. And you might debrief from that and say, well, that's how it works, right? There's the formula, right? This is just the way it is. God answers prayer if you pray seven times. Well, not always. You say, what? It's crazy. This, this really spoke to me. Between chapter 17 and 18, we see no rain predicted, 17 verse 1, 18 verse 45 it rains again. But within those three 
or those two chapters, there are actually three answered prayers. The first one is it took seven times praying, and then it rained. But there's another story of the widow's son at Zarephath that it took Elijah three times before the son was healed and brought back to life. Then there was another time that he prayed only one time, and God answered his prayer. He answered prayer once, in one prayer, in three prayers, and seven prayers, all within two chapters. And you're saying, what's going on here? Well, you say, why? Why does God work like this? And I don't have a good answer for you, other than it's the sovereignty of God. And the truth is, my experience has been that it's very rarely have my prayers have been answered as quickly or as easily as I would like. Praying hard is hard because it's hard. (laughs) It just is. We all want ASAP, as soon as possible, prayers. We would love to say, God, answer our prayer as soon as possible. It reminds me of a few years ago when we were deciding to build this building, I really thought I had heard from the Lord that we needed, we kind of put the plans out, we needed to raise about $900,000 cash. We had a few hundred thousand dollars already in the bank. And I really felt like from the Lord that the God put an idea that we would be able, as the congregation at that time, to raise the funds in nine months. That we were, God gave me this picture that we were pregnant and that it was, it was like nine months of pregnancy and that God would, was going to birth this thing. I communicated that to our leaders, shared that. We prayed around that. And guess what? It didn't take nine months. It actually took a little over three years. And I think, why? God, did I I miss something? Could God have done it in nine months? Absolutely. Was there provision in the room? I think there probably was. But God, in his grace, He was building character in me, building character in the church. He was stretching us. I believe he was preparing us. Could it be that he was protecting us? Sometimes God will push us to our absolute limit of our faith, of our patience, of our gifting. And we look at and say, man, God, we want ASAP. But in in reality, when we pray, we need to pray with the mentality A-L-A-T. Say it with me. As long as it takes. As long as it takes. That's how we should pray. We love ASAP, but our mindset should always be as long as it takes, we keep on asking. We see that with the widow uh, in Luke uh, chapter 18. We see it in, with Elijah in 1 Kings 17 and 18. And apparently, there's still a connection with the Lord that in James chapter 4 verse 2 says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. It starts with us asking. But it doesn't just start with us asking. It also ends with us asking. We don't forget. We don't stop asking. We keep coming to the Lord. And in his omniscience and in his omnipotence, for some reason, there are things that he will do in response to our prayer. And so we're called to pray. But we don't pray and ask as if we are beggars. 
It's not like we're on the side of the road saying, oh, God, please, just, you know, whatever. No, 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 no. I want us to think about our prayers like they are seed prayers. We are not beggars when we pray. We are sowers of prayer. We these are seed prayers. And what is the speed of a seed? Say that 10 times fast, right? The speed of a seed, right? What is the speed of a seed? It's what? Slow, right? A seed, it disappears for a season. It actually dies, right? And then is resurrected, right? Comes back to life. And the power of a seed, the promise is that it will bear fruit. It will bless a future generation. And the same is true with our prayers. We need to sow a seed of prayer to keep on praying, keep on obeying, keep on giving, keep on loving, keep on serving. And a harvest of blessing will come I told the story, first service, uh, of a family in our church um, that lost their grandpa, who was a pastor in town, and uh, it, was, it was really fun. Uh, but the Childerose family, they, uh, their grandpa died, Pastor uh, McLean. And what's interesting is Pastor McLean pastored in Grand Haven Assembly. Some of you guys went to that church uh, back in the day, years and years ago. Um, and then he left and did some other things and then came back to the area. But uh, Grand Haven Assembly uh, dwindled and closed and then was relaunched as the Gateway Church. And I was talking first service that some of the prayers that Pastor Kurt McLean have prayed, we are experiencing the favor because of his prayers. The idea is that our prayers don't die. And the idea is that we should be patient. We should, we need the patience of a planter when it comes to our prayers. We need the foresight of a farmer with our prayers. And we need the mindset of a sower when we pray. And I just declare that there will be miracles decades from now that will be linked back to this 40 days where we consecrated ourselves and said, you know what, we're going to spend some time praying. And when you think about decades away, that's a long time. That's a lot of waiting. Everybody say waiting. And waiting, whether you like it or not, is part of the prayer process. Even in the early church, Jesus said, Go into the upper room and pray and wait for the Holy Spirit, for the promise. Acts chapter 2. Ten days, they're in the 120 together, praying, interceding, and they waited for the Holy Spirit to fall. And, I, you know, God, he loves to show up in unexpected ways as uh, at unexpected times. And the truth is, because of that, we must not give up. It's always too soon to give up when it comes to prayer. It's easy, though. I've been there. Where I've given up on a prayer, given up on a miracle, given up on a dream, given up on a, pro a promise. It's easy to lose faith or heart or to lose our patience. We're like a bucket. I said last week when we're leaking, right? And with prayer, we're, it's like there's a slow leak, and we may not even know it that our prayers have become flat. A good example for me in this season, these last couple weeks, I've been reestablishing a prayer for offices 
to be connected to this building or to be on our property. Uh, when we moved here, we didn't have any offices, and at that early time, we were praying that God would provide offices, and we were, you know, persistent in prayer. We taught, every time we were together, we were praying for offices, and, uh, and then nothing really happened. We kind of got into it. We don't have a place to meet. If you've ever met with me, which I've met with a lot of you, uh, we're sitting in kids' chairs, and like those orange couches are just, you know, we need a place that is, you know, comfortable and confidential, and, uh, and we need a place for our team to, to work hard. We're, we're all of us, all of the pastoral staff, we live out of backpacks, and it's like, it's a, but I had forgotten to be praying and bringing that before the Lord on a regular basis, truth be told. And I don't know what God's timing is, but I do believe that we will have offices in Jesus' name. And in fact, I would ask you, would you pray with us in this season again? for God to move in regards to that? See, God was resurrecting in me a prayer, something that I had prayed previous, a dream, and I just wonder, is there a dream or a promise or a miracle that God wants to resurrect in your prayer life? The answer is yes. And if God did it for Elijah and the persistent widow, he can do it for you as well. And so church, I'm calling us to pray, to pray long, to pray with holy confidence. That is our plight. That's our charge today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to ask the worship team to join me. In just a minute, we're going to sing the song we sang during, that we introduced this morning, uh, Fear is Not My Future. But before we get there, one of the reasons we're praying and doing this 40-day challenge is we are believing for salvations, that God would uh, put it on people's hearts to commit their lives to Him, that we could walk with Him. And certainly, I don't want to embarrass anyone here, but there, it's quite likely that in a group this size, that there's someone here that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And God is speaking to you. He's, he's stirring inside of you. And maybe you had a relationship at one time, but you feel like you're really distant, or maybe you never have. And today is a day that you can give your heart to Him. The Bible says that we are not, uh, we're not okay. <laughs> we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the truth is we all need a Savior, someone to save us, to provide salvation. And we want to offer that free gift of salvation. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. This is just between you and the Lord, and I'm going to have my eyes open so, I can, so we can follow up. But um, if you're here and that's you, you say, man, I need Jesus to save me. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? I'm just going to pray with you. Who in the room is saying yes to Jesus? Just raise your hand so I can see. I appreciate it. On my left, your right, over in this section, is there anyone responding to a salvation call? How about the middle section? That's you. Just slip up your hand so I can see. And then on my right, your left, if you're saying, yep, that's me, just slip up your hand. Yeah. 
for the sake of those that may be online, I'll just say, uh, if you are responding to a salvation call, I want you just to put in the chat, uh, hey, I'm accepting Jesus, or I need Jesus, and we will follow up with you 100% of the time. There were no hands that I could see raised this morning. I'm going to ask everyone to stand and just prepare your hearts. When you think about praying long and praying hard and It's not easy. Uh, Praying hard, praying long, it's hard because it's hard, right? But that's what God is calling us to. But there's great hope that we don't live in the today. We, We pray for tomorrow. We live in the future with our prayers. And when we do that and we understand that, we understand that God is at work. There's some phrases in this song that will be a blessing to you in response to what we've just what you've just heard about praying hard, persistence in prayer. And without further ado, Pastor Bobby, would you lead us and close us this morning? Let's just take a moment and sit in that truth, sit in that promise, sit in that word. thank you for your word in scripture from the words of Paul that says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation that the old is gone and behold the new has come the new is here Lord that you are the resurrection and the life that in everything you are preeminent you are first of the resurrection of the dead and so we lay aside all the old the guilt the pain the shame the sin Lord Lord, that you have broken the chains, you have released the shackles, so let let us shake them off so that we can run after you, Lord. And we take hold of a new thing, a new hope, a new day, a new dawn, a new truth. Lord, we thank you. You are the resurrection and the life. So, Lord, search our hearts that anything that's death We can lay aside, we can set at the foot of the cross that we can nail to the cross. That, Lord, you died for us. You took our shame and our guilt and our pain. Lord, and we thank you that we got to celebrate that today in communion, Lord. And, Lord, we thank you for your gift of the Spirit, that the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in us, Lord. Lord, you take our guilt, you take our pain, you take our shame, you take our sin, and in return, you give us your spirit and you call us your temples. So, Lord, let us be people that leave this place and radiate your presence to everyone around us, that we would be a beacon of light, that we would be a lighthouse in the darkest places, whether that's our homes, whether that's our schools, whether that's our workplaces, whether that's our communities or the state or the country or the world, let us be people who are carrying your light to the darkest places. Lord, and we know that as we go, that you will be before us, you will be behind us, and you will be all around us every single step of the way. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Isn't he great? 
Man, you guys can go in the grace of God today, but as you go, remember that we are going as missionaries. Amen. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.